the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. No The Word to Stand On for Life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show. It's Wednesday and you're listening to the word to stand on for life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And every weekday at 4 o'clock, we get here to answer your phone calls uh, and Bible questions. We want to do the best that we can. So whatever's on your heart or mind, we'll do whatever we can to answer those questions. Here are our phone numbers, 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. You can also call us toll-free if you're outside the local area by calling 877 877- 630-KSLR at 630-5757 You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com You can also use our free Calvary Chat mobile app to send them directly to us as well If you're driving in your car, the safest way for you to call is to use the free hands-free feature of the KSLR mobile app. Just push the call now button and you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. One more time, 340-9585. I was laughing as we went on the air. I just had a cute thing happen. Uh, I've told you before, we've got always have a bunch of kids that come in just before the radio show starts, about five minutes until four, and they pray for the radio program, and they take turns praying. And today there was a, a new little girl, Jessie, uh, was in the office, and I looked at her, I said, well, Jessie, do you want to pray today? And she said, well, yeah, but, and then she, looked at me, she goes, it's not going to be on the radio, is it? And so I was just laughing uh, with Jesse, not at Jesse, but she did pray for the radio program today with all of the kids holding in. So um, this this half hour, or this hour rather, is covered today. Because it's Wednesday, I don't very often um, advance one of my Bible studies. Uh, Paul usually does that on Thursday, come to think about it. But um, tonight is a really important study in Second Samuel chapter 11. I'm only going to do five verses. Uh, this is the, the chapter that deals with David's sin with Bathsheba. Uh, and the following chapter is Nathan coming in and confronting him and David's repentance. So these two chapters are huge 
in terms of their value to us. And uh, I hope, frankly, tonight to scare people to death about the consequences of sin, about the steps that leading up to sin. So we're going to look at the anatomy of sin. So tonight, calvarysa.com at 7 o'clock, for those of you who can't get here. Uh, uh, I, I really think it's an important Bible study. Uh, and then the next couple of studies uh, will be equally as important because it kind of teaches us how to get out of the mess that we've made through our disobedience. So all that's tonight here at 7 o'clock. Tomorrow, of course, Paula will be live in studio with me on the date day edition of the program. So ladies, if you have any questions or calls, I've been kind of thinking lately, Paula's got more calls from men than from the ladies, but but if there's anybody that can be helped or encouraged, we want to do that, and she'll be here tomorrow. Let's go to our questions. Here is our first one from our email inbox, and this is from Kay. Kay says, thank you for your ministry, and she puts an exclamation point on that. Thank you, Kay. Um, I'm grateful that it blesses you. Here's the question. I have friends who are Christ followers, as I am, They've begun to celebrate Passover and say it's sad that the church does not embrace Jesus' human background and the rituals he participated in. Can you help me with how best to understand them? Kay, I think I can, but let me say first of all, I don't think you need to understand them. Uh, They're free to do that. If if they want to embrace uh, the Passover uh, rituals or or they want to celebrate uh, the Jewish Sabbath or any other things, uh, I think that's something that they're free to do. I I don't see any value in it. I've said that many times before in this program. But they're free to do it. So don't try to understand them. And then if they are kind of pressuring you, Um, It's sad that you don't embrace Jesus' human background, that you don't follow the Jewish traditions. They're missing the whole point, so just tell them to to lighten up and leave you alone, and you'll leave them alone. I think that's the best way to exercise our freedom. Now, having said that, uh, I think sometimes studying the Bible is just not enough for people. Uh, It's sad. It's a tragedy, Kay. Um, but, But if... Someone seriously studies the scriptures. We understand that Jesus fulfilled all of those festivals in the flesh. Uh, I understand that it can be emotional. I understand that it it gives you understanding, but th- but it's not an understanding you can't get by reading the original Passover in Exodus. So the whole idea of of examining the Jewish roots of Jesus, uh, I think understanding them so that we have a better understanding of the scriptures is essential. But we're we're such an event or a a circumstance-oriented culture. We want to do things that make us feel like we're there. And, you know, the truth of the matter is, if you're just with Jesus, I promise you it'll be enough. So, okay, you keep walking with Jesus. If your friends who are followers of Jesus um, want to celebrate the festivals, give them the freedom to do it. But don't let them convince you it's simply unnecessary. Uh, we've got some wonderful people here in our church and have had all the years that we've been here who are, are um, similarly inclined. Um, I don't try to talk them out of it. Um, if they're blessed, they're blessed. I, I just don't want people to settle for less in the fullness that we have in Christ. 
Okay, I've always used this example. I've got a picture of Paula. I think she was about 21 years old um, when when that picture was taken. And I've dragged that picture with us everywhere we've gone. And it is a beautiful picture. And I love that picture. Um, it's in our bedroom. I mean, that's how much I love it. And I look at it often. But when Paula comes into the room, I ditch the picture because I'd much rather hug Paula than look at a picture and long for what it would be like if I could actually touch the Paula in that picture. Paula's with me. I can enjoy her presence. Well, it's the same way with Jesus. Okay, to enjoy the presence of Jesus is infinitely better than sitting down at a Passover dinner that really doesn't tell us anything that the New Testament doesn't already tell us about Jesus. So I hope that helps you a little bit, Kay. Just kind of, you keep following Jesus as the Bible declares. Last thing I'll say on this is that the Bible is enough. The Bible's enough. I know people get frustrated when I say that because they look at, well, I don't understand it. It's because you're not studying it enough. You're not really digging in. You're not taking advantage of the supernatural nature of the book and the supernatural spirit that we have living in us. You know, it takes time to get to know somebody. It takes time and it takes investment. It takes effort. And we need to make that effort rather than trying to go do something that gives us goosebumps. And I think that sort of spiritual laziness is responsible for people embracing all kinds of false teachings because they actually feel something, but that something's not the Spirit of God. So, okay, I'm, I'm with you. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Here's a question from Thomas from our email inbox. Good afternoon, Pastor On. I was wondering if you can help me with the d- biblical definition of hope. I ask because it seems to me that where there's faith, there would be no need for hope. For example, if my life is a container that holds faith, hope, doubt, and fear, and I fill that jar with faith, doubt and fear are automatically ousted. But if faith is true, then there's no need for hoping. For hoping, rather. However, God says when you boil it all down, faith, hope, and love are what remain. So it's obvious that God has a better way of defining hope than the cross fingers, I really hope this or that happens kind of definition. Thank you, Pastor Ron. And then he says something really, really kind. Thomas, thank you very, very much. Uh, A couple of things. Biblical hope is not what we, you know, when we say, I hope this is going to happen. Oh, Lord, I hope this is going to happen. I'm praying for some people right now. Uh, who are are desperately ill, and my prayer is, Lord, I'm, I hope that they're having a good, a good day today. I hope and pray that they get better, Lord. And then I say, nevertheless, thy will, not my will be done. I'm asking God for something he already knows is going to happen or not going to happen. So um, that's kind of hoping. I, I just hope they really have a good day. That's just being kind. But Thomas, biblical hope is certainty. Christ in us, the hope of glory, the return of Jesus for his church and what we call the rapture, the blessed hope. So those aren't things that we're crossing our fingers and hoping they happen, hoping they happen. These are things that we know for sure are going to happen. So faith, hope, and love are the three that remain. Love, of course, is the greatest. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without hope... We can't respond to his love nor 
Can we love others? So those three things are sort of intertwined. They're partners in our everyday lives. And without hope, without hope, our lives just spin out of control. But remember, it's not the hope with our fingers crossed that you point out, Thomas, that kind of hope. It's the hope of heaven. I know I'm going to heaven. It's the hope of Christ in me. It means I'm never alone. It's the hope that the message that we carry as believers has the answer, is the answer for anything and everything that people are going through. So those aren't things that I'm wishing for. No, that's a biblical hope that's a certainty, things I know for sure. And so that hope, biblically, declares the certainty of all the things that we believe. So when you fill in that container, your body, your life, with faith, hope, and any other things that come in, faith doesn't erase hope. Faith is the response to hope. So, Thomas, it's really important. We have all kinds of things that come, and there's times when our faith fails. So here's what we do when the enemy is pounding at us, when we're trying to figure out what's the next thing. Our hope, our certainty, is that Jesus is with us. And since he's with us and we're with him, we can't get lost. And then that hope generates faith. And then when faith comes, doubt and fear do run away. But hope is a good thing, uh, uh, an essential thing, not a temporary thing. So, Thomas, I hope that makes sense. You know, one of the things that, that um, one of the reasons that we see people fall away from Christ is they lose hope. They start looking at the circumstances in their lives. They start focusing on the things that they don't have instead of the, the one that they do have. And the enemy's always there to try to suck the hope out of them. Did God really say that was Satan's first lie in the garden? Even when he tempted Jesus directly in the wilderness. If you are the son of God. So he's always trying to take away hope. He knows if he can get our hope, then we really have no hope at all. Thomas, thank you. It's a good question. 340-9585 for our live calls and questions. Here is a question from Danny. He wants to know, is universalism a legitimate doctrine for Christians? And then he asks, have you seen the movie Come Sunday? Uh, Danny, universalism is not a legitimate doctrine. It's a heretical doctrine. Um, it's a, an emotional feel-good doctrine. You know, we, we'd like to believe that somehow God's going to change his mind and all the nice people that died and would otherwise go to hell are suddenly going to find themselves in heaven because, well, after all, God is a God of love and it wouldn't be loving to do that. Um, but, but, but if we take that approach, then we're accusing Jesus of being unloving. Jesus spoke an enormous amount about hell. where the torment is forever and ever. 
where the worm doesn't die. I mean, he uses very graphic, poetic language to describe the reality of hell. He tells a story from Luke chapter 16. Uh, the rich man and Lazarus, the rich man is in torment where he will be forever and ever and ever. At the end of the book of Revelation, he talks about the lake of fire and the great white throne judgment where those who reject him are going to be thrown to be in torment forever and ever. So Danny Universalism is not legitimate. It is not biblical. There is no hope. It's appointed in the man to die once and then face judgment. Hebrews 9.27. Now, regarding the movie Come Sunday, I have not seen it. And, Danny, probably I won't. Um, I haven't seen it come out. Maybe it was out on Netflix, and Paul and I, we don't have Netflix. We can't figure out these new ways to see movies, but uh, I, I probably wouldn't see it even if it was available because it would make me really, really sad. Uh, it's a story about uh, uh, a man who's a pastor. Uh, his name is Carlton Pearson. Uh, I actually have some interaction way, way, way back in my um, early, early days as a Christian with um, um, Carlton Pearson. Um, he was he was in our hometown, and and I actually got to talk to him for a moment, and uh, actually had a supernatural sort of encounter with him. Uh, I was advocating in prayer for a lady who was there. Uh, and he looked right at me, and he said, bring her up here. And, and uh, so, I mean, it, it was just very quick exposure, but, but I really felt that it was the Lord who was doing it. Uh, Carlton Pearson was a really gifted guy. He had terrible theology. He's a graduate of Kenneth Hagin's Bible College. I'm sorry, not to Kenneth Hagin, but to Oral Roberts Bible School uh, in Tulsa. And uh, a prosperity teacher back then. Um, and his doctrine was bad at the beginning. His doctrine doesn't surprise me that it's, it's bad now. But I, I guess it was probably 10 or 12 years ago now when Carlton Pearson said that God told him that hell wasn't real and that God loved the world and Jesus' death was enough for all sinners and so everybody's going to end up in heaven. And uh, the movie is about uh, the reaction uh, that he got and, and the heartbreak he suffered as a result of of embracing universalism and uh, all of his preaching opportunities, his church uh, let him go, um, his relationship with Oral Roberts, uh, uh, to whom he was like a son, um, um, was severed. Um, and, and basically he's talked about how that's unfair, just because I don't embrace the theology of hell um, then then why is it fair for all these people to desert me and cause me the pain in my life? It cost him everything, but it should have. It should have. You cannot embrace heresy and not expect it to cost you everything. And so uh, I, I won't see it because it would just make me too sad. I've seen, Danny, too many uh, Christians embrace this junk and end up... Um, leaving the faith uh, actually so um, maybe if you see it you can write in and tell me what you thought about it but universalism is not um, 340-9585 for your live calls and questions here is a related question to the universal question from Joshua uh, why do you not think the unbelieving dead will just cease to be 
instead of going to hell. Joshua, what you're t- uh, talking about is a doctrine called annihil- annihilationism. And um, that just means that the punishment for not believing Jesus is death. Uh, we who are alive just cease to be. Here's the problem with um, the annihilation theory, Joshua. Um, Bible tells us right at the beginning that we were created in the image of God. Now that means two things, Joshua. It doesn't mean that we look like him. It doesn't mean that we um, um, are like him uh, with all of his attributes. What it means is two things. It means first that we're created with the capacity to choose. God chose us and the result of that is we have to choose him. So we have free will. We have to make a choice. The second thing that being made in the image of God means is that we will live somewhere forever, for eternity. And we have to choose in this life where we're going to live forever and ever. So, um, Joshua, if we're created in the image of God, we're going to live forever once we're born into this life then necessarily we have to live somewhere forever. We can't just cease to exist because what that would do is make the Bible unreliable. So I hope that answers your question, Joshua. You know, I I understand, and I'll get to a phone call that just came in in a moment, but I understand how uh, especially our hearts when we first get saved and we really haven't read a lot, I, I, I understand how pleasing it seems to think that maybe God's going to just change his mind everybody's going to be okay but that would mean we have a God with no standards we have a God who's not just I mean think about it in this human life that we live justice matters we don't want somebody to do terrible things and get off well how could God who is holier than any of us can possibly imagine how could he just let people get off how could there be a heaven with Adolf Hitler there for the horrible things that he's done. How would that be just? And if God is not just, then he's not holy. If he's not holy, he's not God. So it's very important just to accept the Bible for what it says. Let's go to Wes calling from Johnson City. Wes, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. Yeah, I was wanting you to comment um, on some subject matter um, regarding Judaism. Uh, I was just on a site online, and I really, you know, I've been a Christian about 14, 15 years, and um, I never subjected myself to one of these websites where there was these, the Judaizers and how offensive that can be to uh, Christians. And um, I just hadn't seen that. I hadn't been exposed to that, and I just got off that side. And it was a bit disturbing. Mm-hmm. Um, they're antichrist. Some of them, they're rhetoric. And uh, if you could just comment on that, I could use it. Yeah. Wes, I'm sorry you had to experience it. Let me say first that um, there, there's just no value in in listening to that or into reading that material, you know, to, to go searching for it is sort of like uh, looking to stub your toe. There's going to be pain. Uh, it's like looking for a toothache. 
So there just really isn't any value in doing it. And I think a lot of times we who are believers, we've got to learn to sort of hit the off button and then just forget searching for these things. Somebody says, well, did you see on the web where it said this? Um, if, if you spend that time in your Bible, you can tell them, well, no, let me tell you what the Bible really says, and then you can do it. Now, people who aren't saved, especially online, Wes, people who aren't saved are not going to be kind. They, they're, they're trying to win disciples. They're trying to win followers, and they're going to argue, and they're going to accuse, and there just isn't anything constructive about that. Uh, uh, Paul tells us that we're to be peacemakers, and that we're not to have unwholesome talk come out of our mouth. That doesn't just mean dirty words. That means talk which isn't edifying. He says we're to avoid controversies, um, calling them foolish. So here's what we do. When somebody is lost and they're on a rabbit trail, we don't debate with them. We don't argue with them. We don't certainly don't listen to them rant and rave at us. We simply pray for them and then embrace what pure doctrine is. It was the Judaizers who wanted to kill the Apostle Paul. It was the Judaizers, uh, even in Jesus' time, the, the religious authorities who wanted, um, uh, who, 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 who out of envy murdered Jesus. Um, it was the Judaizers that Paul addressed the book of Galatians and to a lesser degree the book of Colossians to. Galatians, he says, I wish they'd go all the way and emasculate themselves. Now, that wasn't him being petulant. It was Paul saying that these people have no value. They have nothing of value to offer. So avoid the conversations altogether. And the truth is, you can go online and find all kinds of people who call themselves believers, espousing all kinds of crazy things, and the, the 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 truth is they have no value in your life. So to let them influence you negatively um, as, uh, just doesn't seem to make any sense at all. Uh, Wes, you've called before and your heart is tender for the Lord. And I think sometimes we have to work really hard to protect the tenderness of our hearts. What the enemy will try to do is get you to be frustrated with people. Instead, just pray for them and love them. Hey, we've got 30 minutes left on the Wednesday program, 340-9585 for your live calls and questions, or 877-630-KSLR. We'll be back on the other side of the break. See you in two minutes. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 